So today our country is 245 years old. Today Freedom Fellowship is 17 years old. 17 is the number for victory. Amen? I declare victory over you. Every one of you who have been engaged in the battle, I declare a season of victory over your life. Yeah, when the enemy uh, tries to put you in the ground, guess what? It gives you an opportunity to be who you really are. You're a seed. And if you remain alone, if you remain above ground, you remain in seed form, you remain alone. But if you're buried in the ground, guess what? You get to reproduce. And the enemy puts you in the ground, guess what? It's an opportunity for a rebirthing in your life. And some of you have been going through that rebirthing. We've gone through that as a church. We're going through that as a nation. We were born as a church at a specified time, spoken by the Lord. He said, start, launch the church on July 4th. That's what he said in January of 2004. Launch on July 4th. And I said, okay. So I went to the calendar. Sure enough, July 4th was on a Sunday. That's when we launched. You know, in, in uh, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 2, it says there's a time to be born and there's a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. So there's a prophetic significance to us being a church named Freedom, born on the same day as our nation, with the same core value as the value of our nation, which is Freedom. And uh, our values are a prophetic declaration of the values of our nation. Jesus is the head, just like he has, was dedicated to be the head of the nation. Our value is freedom, just like our nation was birthed to be a, val a nation with a primary value of freedom. We honor the presence of God in the nation we honor the presence of God in, in, our, in this church. His presence is what we focus on, what we surround everything with, is the presence of God. Uh, we value family, and in this nation, we are a family. No matter how much the enemy tries to divide us, tries to bring division into our midst, the Lord's reminding us we are a family. We are one nation under God. Uh, we're about hospitality. We are the most hospitable nation that this world has ever seen. No matter how much the enemy attacks these values that we hold dear, that's who we are. And that's who we are as a church, is we are a place of hospitality. A place where when you walk in, you feel welcome. You feel like this is a place where I can connect with family. It's a place where I can be safe. And, and we have a commitment to the Word of God, just like our nation was born on the principles of the Word of God. So we, as a church, have a strong value to honor the integrity of the Word of God and to place it at, as the plumb line that everything else has to measure up to. And it's the revealed Word. It's the Word revealed by the Holy Spirit. It's the Word illuminated by the Holy Spirit. It's not a dead Word. It's a living Word that we emulate. And Jesus is the embodiment of that living word. Amen? So as we, as we were born on the 4th of July, 
then went through a rebirthing. So we declare our nation is going through a rebirthing. And, and when you're going through the middle of the rebirthing, there's lots of people that peel, peel off. There's just like there's people peeling off this nation right now and saying, yeah, this nation's going down the tubes. It's not going to make it. Uh, don't you believe it? Jesus is the head, and, and this, uh, there's a resurrection coming. And today, I believe, is a prophetic marker for our nation, that there's a powerful shift that's happening today on the 4th of July, on the birthday of the nation. There's a shift that is happening. I can't explain it all, but I know that on August 21st, 2011, right over here in what used to be the prayer room, it's Steve's office now, I heard the Lord say, seismic shift. It was 10 years ago this next month. I heard the Lord say, seismic shift. And, it, and I kept hearing it, and I kept hearing it, and I kept hearing it. And the next day, I kept hearing it, and I kept hearing it, and I kept hearing it. And by Tuesday morning, I, w- I was hearing it so loud that I called several prophetic friends and asked them if they were hearing anything about a seismic shift. And they said they weren't hearing anything. And that afternoon, at 1-something p.m., I think it was, an earthquake hit northern Virginia, and I felt it in my home in Canton. And, uh, and from the time that earthquake hit, I stopped hearing anything about a seismic shift. And uh, that earthquake damaged the Washington Monument and damaged the National Cathedral. And when I heard that, I knew that the Lord was saying there's a shaking coming that's going to affect the political a system in America, the government of the nation, and it's going to affect the church in America like the, that the National Cathedral symbolizes. And, uh, and that's what we've been going through as a nation now, is that shaking. And, and we need to know that it's God that's doing the shaking. The enemy's trying to take advantage of it any way that he can, but it's God that's doing the shaking because his word says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that only that which cannot be shaken will remain. And those of you who have stood in the Lord's shaking and and have stood strong and have allowed him to shake the things out of your foundation that need to be shaken out will now get to stand with the Lord as he shakes the nation, as he shakes the powers of darkness, as he begins to shake down the, the the, the corrupt foundations of things that are going to begin to, to fall apart all around us. And we need to stand strong with the Lord because we've been prepared for such a time as this. This is our greatest hour. This is the time that God's prepared us for. And we need to be uh, ready to, to reap a harvest of souls. Let, let, listen, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a fear that we've already seen in the past year. But we're going to see at increasing levels is, is people who are afraid full of fear, full of intimidation, full of uh, being, being traumatized by what's happening around them. And don't you be afraid because this is our opportunity. We who are ready to die salute you. Remember that. You've already been to the cross. Uh, the, the spirit of death is a counterfeit of the cross. You're going to hear more about this in the future, but I'm here to tell you that we, even in the church in, in America, 
have made friends with death. The spirit of death. People ask me, why don't we have more power to raise the dead in America like we see on mission fields? Well, one reason is because we've made friends with death. Death is a spirit that Jesus never made friends with. Death is an enemy. It's a spirit that's going to be cast into the lake of fire. Jesus said, I choose to lay down my life and I choose to take it up again. This command I've received from my father. He exited this world when it was his time to go, not because the spirit of death took him. He said, this command I have received from my father. Listen, death is not your doorway to heaven. I know that's shocking for some of you to hear. Because we grew up in a church culture in America that tried to cuddle up to death and say, well, it's not so bad and help us to feel good about death because death is actually the doorway to heaven. That's a lie. The scripture never says that. Scripture never says death is the doorway to heaven. It says Jesus is the door. After the resurrection, Jesus hung around to demonstrate to us what a resurrected life looks like. And during that time, he freely accessed heaven and came back. And as long as we think that death is the doorway to heaven, we're, going, we're robbing ourselves of an interaction with our eternal home that, that is available to us in Jesus now. That's a radical message, isn't it? But it's the truth. And more and more people's eyes are opening to that reality, to that experience, and are realizing that, that, the, the, that the false teaching that death is the doorway to heaven has actually robbed us of some, something very precious that we need to be experiencing now. Jesus is the door, not death. When I come to the end of my life here, if I do, I'm leaving that option open, then I need to choose to say, Lord, I think my assignment is over. It's time for you to take me home. Not because death is able to, as a spirit, be able to take me out. I'm done making friends with God's enemies. Amen? I don't know how I got into all that, but it's simmering in my heart is how. We have an apostolic, you're going to hear more about that, by the way. I'm just getting started on that. We're going to see the dead raised here like they are in the mission fields because America, the, the body of Christ in America is going to lose its fear of death. Why are people afraid of, of a sickness? Because they're afraid to die. That's the only reason. If we know that we have already died in Christ, in other words, the cross, the, that spirit of death is a counterfeit of the cross. If we know that we've already died in Christ, there's nothing to fear anymore. What can the enemy hold over you if you're not afraid to die? Right? Scripture talks about those who are all their life in bondage because of the fear of death. If God's people are afraid to die, then God help us. The fear of death is actually an opportunity for us because Jesus is the only one who can set you free from that. Amen? If Christians can lose their fear of death, guess what? We're ready to bring in a harvest out there. Amen. We have an apostolic assignment to take the gospel to the nations. As we always 
come through into victory, so our nation always comes through into victory. No matter what the enemy brings your way, if you stand with Jesus through whatever testing and trial and, and, and uh, shaking that comes your way, you're going to come out stronger and more powerful and more fruitful on the other side. Same thing is going on in our nation. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. He's never stopped doing that. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So this morning I want to ask you, what is your assignment? I, I'm going to challenge every one of you to get beyond the place of survival. God hasn't called you to survive. He's called you to overcome. He's not called you to be a survivor. He's called you to be an overcomer. All the promises in Revelation 2 and 3 are to the overcomers, not to the survivors. I mean, surviving is better than not surviving. But it's not God's purpose for your life. God's purpose for your life is to make you an overcomer. And that means you have things to overcome. That means there are things coming your way that you've got to be willing to stand up to and come through. There are storms coming your way you need to stand through and not allow them to overwhelm you. Amen? So what is your assignment? Responsibility is assigned where your assignment is. Whatever God's assignment on your life is, that's where he gives you responsibility. And that's also where you will find your authority. You don't have authority where God's given me authority. You've got, a, a, you've got authority where God has assigned you and where you're willing to carry the corresponding responsibility that goes with it. Here's some things to consider as you ask the Lord, what is my assignment? There's a generational assignment. There's something in your family that is being passed down to you. There's something that some ancestors in your bloodline began that God wants you to build on. There's something that's passed down to you. There's something that was passed down to me from my, from my, from my dad and from my, my uh, ancestors. There's something that they began. They took some first steps toward, and God has called me to build on what they started. And the same thing is true of you. And, and it may be something you're aware of. It may be, not be something you're aware of. But it's something God wants to reveal to every one of us, what we're called to build on. Number two, uh, where is it that you come alive? What is it that you connect with that brings you to life in the deepest part of your heart? Because you're beginning to connect with your assignment there. Where's your passion? Where are the prophetic words and promises that have been spoken over you? Where do they point? You have to begin with the little things. You can't begin with the ultimate purpose that God has called you to and think, well, one of these days God's just going to drop me on that mountain and that's where... No, you have to start with the little things that are in your life now that begin to lead you in that direction and you have to be faithful in the little things. You can't skip grades in the kingdom. It doesn't work. You've got to be willing to be faithful in kindergarten before you get promoted to first grade. 
Okay, so, so be faithful with the little things. Don't, think that, don't sit back and wait for the big things to come your way. You be faithful with the little things, and God will faithfully promote you. And at the, at the end of every grade, by the way, there's a test. You know, there's final exams before promotion. At the, end, at the, at the uh, conclusion of every level that God has you in, there's a test before you get promoted to the next level on everything that you've learned. Where everything that you thought you, had, you knew how to make it work in your life all of a sudden doesn't work anymore. And the enemy comes and says, you might as well quit. You might as well give up. Hey, let's feel sorry for yourself because this is not fair. You're being victimized here. Don't you listen to those lies. You're being tested in what you've learned so that the Lord can promote you to the next level so that you can carry greater authority and greater responsibility because you've been faithful in the little things and he promotes you. Amen? Be willing to invest time and resources where your purpose is. I, we, we've got the bulk of a generation in America who invested major tens of thousands of dollars in a college education, and they're not even able to work where they invested all that money. It, it's, a, it's a real travesty what's happened to our education system and how little that actually prepares you for a lot of uh, opportunity in this country. I, let, let me tell you, there's a greater opportunity than that before you. And that is where God has called you. And if, for, if, if you're willing to, to dedicate tens of thousands of dollars into a career that's shaky at best in today's culture, be willing to invest something into what God has called you to. Be willing to do something. Whatever, whatever helps you to be equipped, be willing to invest some time and resources into that. Because that's even more important. That's, that's critical for your future, for you to be able to fulfill your destiny. Fish may be an opportunity for that. Uh, Freedom International School of Harvest. Because I'll tell you something with fish, it's not, it's not an academic class. It's, 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 it is teaching, it's training, and it's activation. You don't just sit there like a bump on a chair and take in knowledge throughout the year. You actually get activated, and by the time you get through this class, you'll be on the front lines doing the work of the Lord. And it's not just for people who are called to full-time ministry. It's to empower you and to equip you into wherever your career leads you that you're going to carry the kingdom of God into that place and make a difference. You're not just going to be in it for a paycheck. You're going to be there to carry the influence of the kingdom so that God's people become salt and light again in the culture. You know? Be willing to endure testing. Be faithful. You know, uh, Scripture says that it is, moreover, it's required of stewards that one be found faithful. So for every uh, assignment that God gives you, there's a key. Remember Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom? Well, the key to stewardship is faithfulness. That's the overwhelming uh, characteristic that's required for God to entrust things into your hand is faithfulness with the little things that he gives you, and then he'll trust you with greater things. If you want to be a steward of the resources of the kingdom of heaven, you have to be faithful with what he gives you now. 
Ray Hughes taught us about uh, the frequencies of heaven. And, uh, and, and, he gave, and he gave us this word picture, uh, this example, this allegorical picture about how for every kind of matter on earth, there's a frequency that makes it move. It can be stone, can be steel, can be glass, whatever it is. Hit the right frequency and that begins to move. That's why the opera singer hitting the right note breaks a wine glass. It's because they hit the frequency that makes glass move and it shatters. I have a, a video at home somewhere of, of, of a bridge over a gorge out in the Pacific Northwest somewhere. This was back in the 30s, I think, where they were building a bridge over this gorge and they, they didn't consider the acoustic frequency that would be made by the wind blowing through that structure. And, and, and when it was done, the wind began to blow, and, it, and that whole bridge began to do this. Not because the wind was strong enough to move it, because the frequency of sound caused that material to move, and it literally shook it apart. And now they, they designed that into bridge construction. They designed that into uh, cityscapes, downtown cities, so that, they, uh, so that the design of the thing and the wind... Uh, blowing through that doesn't create the frequency that causes that material to fall apart. It's interesting. It's very fascinating. It, it doesn't even, you, you say, ah, oh, that can't happen. Yeah, it actually does. There is a frequency of sound that makes every kind of matter move. Well, there's a frequency that causes everybody's heart to begin to come alive. There, there's, there's something that God has created you for that when, when that frequency hits you, something in the deepest part of who you are begins to come alive and begins to move. And if you think back, you'll think of times when, you know what, when, when that thing happened, something in me was touched in the deepest place, and it began to move, and it began to come alive. Well, that's something that's connected to your purpose. That's where you can begin to pray and say, Lord, help me to understand what that is and help me to show me how I can take first steps in serving you in that capacity so that I can connect with, with my purpose, the purpose you created for me, and be the most powerful influence for the kingdom that I can possibly be. Don't give in to the temptation to focus on being victimized by misfortune by circumstances, by hard times that you're coming through. Being an overcomer means gaining victory over obstacles. Listen, self-pity is not your friend. It's your enemy. When you're going through a rough time, don't you dare start feeling sorry for yourself. Saying, oh, poor me, the Lord forgot about me. My friends abandoned me. I'm all alone. Nobody understands. Stop that. Stop listening to that lying voice because it's going to take you into a pit that you'll have a hard time coming back out of. That is not your friend. That's an enemy. Don't listen to it. You are more powerful than you realize. Amen? Matthew 28, 16. It says, And the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Listen, there's a mountain that's appointed for you to meet with the resurrected Christ where you will receive your commissioning. Okay? It's one that's appointed for you. 
It's where you will receive your assignment from heaven. That's the mountain that you need to climb. It's the mountain of his presence. It's the mountain where you will meet God. It's the place that you need to ascend to. It's the place you need to pray into. It's the place you need to meditate into. It's the place you need to ask the Lord to bring you into an elevated place of his presence in your life where you will receive your assignment from the Lord. And, And it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But guess what? Some doubted. Are you kidding me? Here's Jesus raised from the dead, meeting you in the mountain of, your pres- of his presence, and you're going to doubt? Listen, you're always going to have doubters. You let them influence you, and pretty soon you're going to be doubting. Don't let the doubters around you inhibit the faith that's in you. The faith that's in you is more powerful than the doubt of any unbelieving person around you. And sometimes Christians can be the most, I'm using the term loosely, uh, the, most, the most unbelieving and doubting people there is. Well, yeah, but you know. Well, God wouldn't do that. Really? Where does it say that? God wouldn't send you to another country. And, and, and I mean, he knows that you have a responsibility for your family and, and, and uh, your children. And what if something happened? God wouldn't do that. Really? Do you read your Bible? He would. And he does. And he will. <laughs> and he's going to. That's right. We who are about to die salute you. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name... Make disciples of who? Nations. We're heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus. Is that right? What's Jesus... So that means we get to inherit what Jesus inherits, right? What does he inherit? Nations. Psalm 2, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Well, God wouldn't send you other places. We have enough needs around. I've had people tell me that. God wouldn't send you to a far-off place like that. There's plenty of needs right in your own community. Really, have you read your Bible? We don't get to call those shots. Jesus is the head of the church, and he gets to tell us where we're assigned to go. You know, not our own human reasoning and our own logic and our own selfish, well, we're going to be more, we're just going to be, going to be concerned about the people in our own community because we've got plenty of needs right here at home. Well, I mean, if that's where your assignment is, that's good. But some of us have assignments beyond the home turf. And our faithfulness to those assignments actually empowers us to bring the glory of God back to our home turf. And I've used this analogy before, but I'll use it again. Some of you may not have heard it. But the church, for too long, has been like the pool of Siloam. You know, where everybody hangs around waiting for an angel to stir the waters, and maybe somebody will get healed once in a while. But the church, and whoever has the nicest pool draws the biggest crowd, you know. (laughs) 
The church was never called to be a pool. The church is a river. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said. Where did the scripture say that? It said that in Ezekiel 47. Out of the temple flows a river that goes to the ends of the earth. And the further it flows, the deeper and more powerful it gets, and everything it touches comes to life. That's what the church is, a river of living water going to the ends of the earth. Wherever that river carries you is where you need to go. You can't figure it out because it won't make sense. Why would God call me to a South American country? I don't know. You know, I battled with that for 18 years before I finally went. And when I got there, he met me there. And he's been meeting me there ever since. I can't explain why, but I know that there's something there that if I'm, as I'm faithful to that, I, I'm able to bring something back here, you know? Because the light that shines farthest shines brightest at home. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and, lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. Amen. So in our next year, we're running out of time, but we're having fun. At least I am. In our next year, this is what we're doing. We're making a commitment to develop, to train, to empower more hands-on disciples of Jesus. I really don't need you to be a disciple and a clone of me. I need you to be a disciple of Jesus. And that's what we're making a commitment to do, to do more of that. We're making a commitment to push out of our comfort zone even further, to be willing to take risks as we press into our purpose. How do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. There's no faith outside of risk. If you're willing to take a risk to be obedient to the Lord, that's where he will meet you. Amen? A commitment to a new generation of leaders who will birth multiple ministries. Some of those ministries will eclipse the ministry of this church. There's some ministries that some of you will birth that's going to become more powerful than this church body. Greater. And we rejoice in that. A fresh commitment to greater levels of healing, deliverance, breakthrough, and raising the dead. And I'm going to be talking about this in weeks and months to come. But the Lord's going to give us keys where we're going to see healings happen in areas where the church has really struggled to come into healing. And the Lord's giving us some keys to to come into that. And we're going to talk about that. And I've got some testimony to share about some of that. Because I personally went through some stuff recently that just confirmed to me the, the power of some of the tools that God's bringing our way. And praise God, uh, Paul has got a, a, a prognosis or a, a, di- a diagnosis that, that the cancer is gone in her body. Incurable cancer, gone. I rejoice in that as far as it goes, but I want to see her on her feet dancing in the front. I want to see the paralysis gone. I'd love to see Denny join her. Amen? Completely mobilized, completely set free. Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. 
A lot of times we've been sitting around waiting for Jesus to do something when he said, I'm giving you keys. I want you to take the key and I want you to unlock avenues and, and, and solutions and, 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 and aspects and tools that you haven't discovered yet. Use the keys that I've given you to unlock things that I want you to discover. It's, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search them out. Okay, there's a royal anointing that God has brought on sons and daughters in this generation to go after things and to uncover a powerful treasure that God has hidden for us to discover. He's not hidden them from us. He's hidden them for us. And he's giving us the keys to unlock these things, to open up these things, and to go after them. And I'm not going to be satisfied until I see the Paulas and the Denny's and, and the ones who have been devastated by the powers of the enemy restored back to fullness because that's what Jesus died for and Jesus deserves to get what he paid for. Amen? Uh, and, and we're making a commitment to embrace an apostolic reformation that will shake this nation and the, and the nations of the, of the world. Because that's what's, that's what's in front of us, is an apostolic reformation. We have, we have, I've heard so many people pray for the glory of God to, to come, for the fear of God to come. But what's coming is going to bring both. And it's not going to be comfortable. Because the glory of God that visited the early church brought the fear of God to the church and to the culture. Because it was in the presence of that glory that Ananias and Sapphira died. It was in the presence of that glory that Simon the sorcerer was struck blind. So it comes with a two-edged sword. It comes with a greater level of us having to be real and honest and open with the Lord and, and, and to allow him to purify the motives of our hearts so that we can stand in the presence of his glory. Because that's what we're going to see. We have been shaken so that we can participate in the shaking of the nations for the gospel. God wants to use us as he shakes the nations. Amen? Uh, when you walk in somewhere, the glory of God comes in with you. When you walk in somewhere that God has sent you to come, the shaking of God begins to come. We had such a powerful picture of that last summer. When one nation one day, I guess it was the summer before last, one nation one day came to Peru. And the, the thought is in one nation one day is that they evangelize the whole nation. And, and they send out teams of evangelists from around the world to this nation. And they go door to door throughout the country for like a week or several weeks. There's lots of intercessors. And then they, they, uh, they bring translators in to work with the people that come from all around the world. And then on, on the same day, they have stadium events in every uh, region or state or capital uh, city of the country. And, uh, and we went to Peru two weeks before this. And, uh, and I was asked to speak to the translators for the city of Iquitos. 
And before we got there, there was an earthquake. And it was, it was the most powerful earthquake, I think, in history that they could record for the Amazon region of Peru. It was, it was a powerful earthquake. It, there was a lot of people there that thought the end of the world was coming. It hit them about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and it was so violent, the earthquake, that uh, the, can you imagine uh, metal roofs, galvanized roofs, rattling and shaking in that earthquake? It terrified the people. Fortunately, they built uh, their concrete structures with rebar there. Uh, and so they didn't have the devastation that Haiti did when the earthquake hit that because the concrete doesn't fall apart when it's full of rebar. Uh, but it terrified the region. And that was just ahead of One Nation One Day. And when I talked to the translators, I said, you know, you've been praying for God to come to your nation for how many years? Now you got this event coming, and before it comes, God shakes the nation and gets everyone's attention. God's answering your prayers. It's not a time to fear. It's a time to rejoice because God is preparing for a great harvest of souls in the nation. And I don't know what all the evangelists, I don't know how good they're going to be or how powerful they're going to be that you're going to be assigned to, but I know this. The last voice they're going to hear is your voice. And so you need to be anointed. Because God's going to use you to, to translate the gospel message across this region. And I got to speak to them. And, get, and some of them were in a lot of fear before that. But I, just, I felt the atmosphere shift as I, got to, as I got to talk to them and let them know what God is doing. Amen? And the same thing is happening in this, in this culture. God is shaking the place. And, and it's time for us to not be in fear, but to us be the frontline warriors. Say, here am I, Lord, send me. You've been preparing me all, all of my life for this time, and here I am. Send me. Amen.